folks. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Amers. Hello world, this is Kirsten from Fluent Language and I'm here welcoming you as always to the Creative Language Learning Podcast. We're on episode 9 and in this podcast I've got an absolutely breathtaking article of the week and then an interview with the one and only Benny Lewis who writes Fluent in Three Months, best-selling author, National Geographic Traveller of the Year, all-round internet celebrity um, and he'll be sharing his ideas and thoughts about language learning. Um, and just to give you a little sneak preview, you you will hear that Benny and I actually don't agree on every single aspect of language learning, um, which might be because he comes from he you know he he says to me ah well I'm I'm not this person that grew up absolutely loving languages so he comes from the point of view of he he knows how to you know what it feels like when you're rubbish at languages whereas. I come from this point of view of I know what it feels like when you're just always really excited about languages. And that was a really interesting um, debate of, of two different sides. I found it very, very inspiring to talk to him. And I would absolutely love to hear what you thought of the conversation that we had, whether you whether you can see Benny's side as well as he does, or whether you can sort of feel like, well, you know, I do... I do just feel the passion and I want to work with the passion. Um, we also discussed group classes. So there's a lot coming ahead and I don't want to keep you any longer. So let's go straight to the article of the week. The news article of the week is called Why the Growth Mindset is the Only Way to Learn. This is an article on Edudemic, uh, a blog that is completely dedicated to bringing technology into the teaching classroom. And this was just absolutely mind-blowing. You've got to read this if you've ever felt, oh, I'm too stupid to learn a language. I'm too old. Maybe I'm not smart enough to have success in my own business, to get a promotion, to just whatever you want to do. If you felt like you're not good enough for this, like you're going to fail this is a fantastic article. It focuses on the growth mindset. And the growth mindset is a way of thinking that makes you strive, not for accomplishments in the sense of succeeding and the black and white view of success and failure, but it takes account of the gray areas in the world. It, it makes, it accounts for People aren't great at things when they start. So which is something that in language learning I very often see in my students that, and, and uh, you hear it everywhere is people want to be perfect right from minute one, right? Who doesn't? Who, who wants to look stupid, right? So this mindset is entirely different. The growth mindset makes you strive for accomplishments, imbues you with curiosity and helps you explore the boundaries of your full intelligence so this is not about oh you know i have already decided that this is too hard and i'm too stupid to do it or i tried it once and it's not worked out but every time you give something a good go this is where this is where it counts every time you give something a good go congratulate yourself for it you know pat yourself on the back uh, the opposite of a growth mindset is a fixed mindset the fixed mindset is where you just have decided this is as far as i can go um, or your parents, you know, even from 
childhood it can come up when parents tell you yeah this is very good but you know you're, you're obviously just not cut out for um, <laughs> you know playing the clarinet um you start believing it so the fixed mindset is when you just believe that the clarinet is not for me learning french is not for me um whereas the growth mindset is i'm just going to give this a good go and i really want you to read the article because it's worthwhile uh, it's worth your time and you'll find it in the show notes but to just quote the way into the growth mindset because i i actually recognize myself a lot in what this article was saying very i'm i'm setting up a new business at the moment i'm going into business coaching i'm starting to work much more with people on what their brand their messages and the power of their words are um and for me i very often doubt myself and i think oh god who's gonna buy this and you know who am i to do this because uh, I am in a fixed mindset and have already decided who I am. Whereas with a language, I'm, I am in a different place. Um, and this is often, I say this to students, is I'm not better than you at language learning. I just have a different attitude. I've just decided that, yeah, of course I can do this because um, I'm just going to give it a try. And then we'll find out, won't we? So here are a few practical ways that you can begin cultivating the growth mindset right from the start number one find peers find people who work or learn with you not for you and people who don't you know sit there and watch you doing it just get people who are in the same situation number two take your ego out of learning think this isn't about you and a validation of you and whether you're a smart person whether you can do this or not this is just well, let's just give it a go and see how far this project can go. So think of yourself as a project. Um, give up perfectionism. The fixed mindset is very quick to find mistakes in results. So what you don't want is to kind of focus on the one little thing that you didn't get right out of 99 things that you did get right and then decide that you failed. So make the mistakes that's fine and uh, number four which i loved so much learn to enjoy being lousy right if you're doing a project and you're going to see how far you can actually take this then just think of you think of it as fun learn to enjoy being lousy and this is the very very highly strongly recommended article of the week why the growth mindset is the only way to learn and that is about not a big car. <laughs> that is about learning anything at all. Um, recommended on Edudemic, and you should definitely give this a go. And now, without further ado, let's go to the interview of the podcast, and that is my interview with Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months. Right, so I'm here today with um, the one and only Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months, who's also known as Irish Polyglot. Do you usually introduce yourself as that, Benny? Uh, no, no, I would just uh, <laughs> I would just stick to, to Benny generally. The, the Irish Polyglot's a good, uh, a good way to recognize me on, on the internet and such, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a good moniker, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, Benny's done, uh, to be honest, among language learners, if you've ever Googled any question related to language learning, you've probably already seen Benny's blog. It's called Fluent in Three Months. What, what you and I agree on and what we're sort of, you know, every language blogger is on this side of saying, look, 
language learning is important. You've got to do it. It's just, it's not just amazing and really enriching and changes your life. It's actually really important. Um, and with you having just dedicated like a whole year to talking to so many people, I really was interested in view, your view on how far you think we can take this message that language learning is important. Because there's still people asking why. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think um, people need to be sold on the idea that language learning is important. I, I think they get it. I mean, there are some people who um, who don't see... Because they, they, the problem for, in my eyes, the problem, the biggest problem is that people think that they can't learn a language. Mm -hmm. And if they, if they understood that it was, it was possible for them, then a lot more of them would be actively learning a language. But they can't. They feel like they can't. They feel like they don't have the language gene or they don't have, they're not naturally talented. And so they don't end up learning a language. And that itself justifies them saying well, I'm not learning a language, so maybe everyone else should learn my language. Maybe the whole world should just learn English. And and that's kind of that feeds into the uh, misconception, or people think, well, I can't learn a language, and so everyone should do business in English, and I don't need to learn their language if I go abroad. And I, I feel like that is the core of the problem. The problem is that people feel that they can't learn a language, and that's what I'm working on. I don't feel I, I need to sell people on the idea that... Um, that the uh, the world needs people to learn other languages because uh, there's there's a lot of fear there. Like people might think, okay, in that case, I just won't travel outside of my country, and then I'll I, I I'll only have to speak in English. And I like to just show them it's a lot easier than they think, and you can travel outside the country. It's not it's not mm. even that expensive to do that. I'm noticing. Um, I'm noticing that you're singling out people whose native language is English. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's it's really that's, common. That's my, um, like, I I focus generally on those people because uh, it's kind of my the majority of my audience. Of course, the same issue works in other places. Like, I've lived in Spain, mm -hmm. and I find the Spaniards run into the same problem, that they kind of feel, you know, well, if, um, if they're not going to learn Spanish, then why should I go to their country? Or they, they feel mostly the same thing. I'm not naturally talented. I took English in school for whatever it was, 10 years, and I still can't speak it. So um, it's hopeless for me. Yeah. And it, 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 so, like, I, I use English as the example, but there it is actually a, a common problem in many countries. The the thing is, English speakers, we tend to think of uh, countries like north in the north of Europe and in some countries in Asia that you may visit where they, their English level is very good. And that kind of skews our perspective and we, we feel sometimes that the whole world speaks English. And um, I've been to so many places, including northern European countries, where that is simply not the case. And you absolutely have to learn the language, but you can enjoy learning the language and you get so many great benefits out of that, much more than you would if the world did speak English. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... Uh, um, jumping ahead a little bit, but one of the things I had noted down was actually that... Um, personally, I've noticed definitely that there is just an advantage in my mindset. I'm a native German speaker. I started learning English when I was 10, and I was just really into it, sort of kept it up with French, Latin, Italian, Spanish, whatever I could get, really. Um, that I had a great school. They just you know, gave me lots of opportunities to learn languages. I trained as a foreign language secretary. It always just stayed with me. Mm. And I notice now 
like now I'm kind of like, hey, Welsh, hey, Russian, exciting. And I notice an advantage in my mindset because I know I can do this. You know, I don't even right. think, can I do this? Yeah. And I very often observe what you're mentioning in other people, this doubt, this, this, oh, I can't, uh, you know, what, what do you tell someone who's doubting themselves? Do you put, do you then say, oh, do you know what? It's actually discipline over confidence, or would you say it's confidence over discipline? Uh, for me, it is absolutely confidence over discipline because really? no, yeah, definitely no, no amount of discipline in the world. Like I consider myself as a teenager, I was very disciplined. I was a very good student. Mm. Uh, I did very well in mathematics and science and I tried very hard. Uh, I took German in school and then um, I also took Irish. And when I moved to Spain for the first six months I was there, I was very diligent. I was very hardworking. I, I studied all the grammar I could find. I tried to learn all the words I could. Um, but the problem was definitely confidence. And that's what I'm trying to instill in people. I don't, I don't think people need discipline because if you, are, if you are both confident and passionate about something, you're going to be disciplined about it. You know, this this is just being my experience that what I try to focus on is convincing people they can do it and giving them ideas for how they can do it in a way that's enjoyable to them. And then it's not a question of discipline because they're just going to they're going to have a good time yeah. and they're going to get that that high that they might get from speaking a language and understanding somebody's response. So uh, for me, it is definitely a question of confidence. And if you talk to unsuccessful language learners. And I mean, um, I could tell you from the perspective of someone, and this is one reason my writing uh, speaks to that group of people so often, is because I understand. Unfortunately, I did not uh, have passion for languages when I was growing up. I didn't have a school that taught me in a way that was beneficial to me. So I know exactly what it's like to be in the head of somebody who's an adult and who has failed at languages and is only monolingual. And, mm. and I can tell you from that perspective of someone who switched to being a successful language learner, who is confident to learning this language or that language, that it is confidence that was holding me back. And that's the confidence I try to instill in people. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely, you say, a, a switch, a confidence switch, a mindset switch. I mean, what I often talk to people about is to say, you're setting yourself really high goals. What adults, I notice the mistake that adults make very often in language learning is that they, okay, you've, singling out, I do apologize, fluent in three months, um, people set themselves out as a goal, but they don't think of it as fluent in the sense of, yeah, you know, confident in three months they think perfect in three months and to be honest you can do perfect in a lifetime and it still wouldn't be something that a sensible person should aim for that's not how learning works um and that's something i really i really want to point out in people is when they're setting themselves really high standards yeah i when i started with spanish for instance i i aimed very i aimed way too high because i figured i could i could read a, a novel i tried to read the lord of the rings in spanish and it was uh way too difficult for me and Jesus. it put me yeah it, it kind of totally killed my confidence mm -hmm. now the thing is the uh the title of my site is kind of um encouraging people to be specific because i can tell you 
that sure, aiming too high is definitely a problem. And I think the issue is mostly that people are people have their eye on the the end goal at the very start, which I do not think is uh, like thinking about that the whole time. I don't think that's productive. But um, the exact opposite is also not productive. When people have no specific goals that all they're doing is learning, 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 studying, studying, studying indefinitely with no idea where they're going or what rate they want to do, they want to make improvements. Um, because for a lot of people, they, like I said, people are diligent and, and there are a lot of unsuccessful language learners who are diligent mm-hmm. and they will put all this work in. They will keep studying. They'll study many words. They do exercises in books. And, and after a certain amount of time, they won't really have anything to show for it uh, other than knowing some words. They won't actually be having conversations. Yeah. And this is why I, I really recommend people have a specific target that they're aiming for. It doesn't have to be fluency, um, but it does have to be uh, a very solidly defined, definitely not perfection, but um, something that they understand in their head that uh, is is something that if they put the amount of time in, that they could realistically reach it. And even if they didn't reach it, they're, they have a plan of action such that, like in my mind, I never have a fluent in three months project where it's just fluent in three months and that's it. I, I, I think of it one week at a time. My end goal may be three months. I want to reach a certain level, but I, I don't actually care about that at a certain week. Yeah. And a certain yeah. week, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this week, if I'm learning Chinese this week, I want to improve my tones. I want to be able to speak with decent tones. Uh, or the next week, I want to be able to have a basic interaction with somebody in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I, what I think. Uh, like at the very start of the project, I would make week by week goals such that it's going in the direction of uh, reaching a certain level after a certain amount of months, but on a a short-term basis, I focus on what I can achieve in that time. And I think a lot of people, when their end goal is just to speak perfectly, then uh, they won't see the progress they're making on a short-term basis. And that can get very discouraging. Yeah, yeah. It's the same as like, I mean, um, to take a running metaphor, for example, it's very difficult to think, hey, I'm going to run a marathon now. It's much easier to go, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll keep going until that next tree and I'll keep going until the next bench yeah, I mean, exactly. That's, that's the only way I managed to run. <laughs> but it's, Precisely. You know, it keeps you going. Um, one one question. For, what do you do after th- after three months? Uh, you come up with the next project. <laughs> but that. Yeah, why because, why uh, don't that's... you keep going with the single language? Why do you switch languages? No, I mean, you come up with the next project for that language. So if right. you... If you're thinking to yourself, I want to be at this level within three months, then whether you reach it or not, you you come to the three-month point and you see, okay, what pace have I had in this language? What um, can I realistically hope to, to achieve? And then you decide, okay, then now I want to be, I want to sit uh, the, uh, I don't know, the DALF exam in, mm-hmm. in six months. You You come up with the next project and that's, for me, that kind of um, solidifies what you're doing because you're making it about the next stage, your next level, your next achievements um, in the language. And that's that, that kind of specificity uh, is, is lost on people who might say, oh, I want to just learn French. I yeah. just want to. 
improve my general French, you know? Definitely. And I mean, what, what kind of comes into that is, or what I recommend to a lot of people is to look for, just to make it easier on yourself, look for external structure. You know, I mean, there is nothing wrong with working with a decent textbook because it just takes a little bit of the thinking out of your your own area. I mean, maybe it's because I'm somebody who always really enjoyed language learning in school and I enjoy group classes. I like somebody else doing all our planning for me. And I say, work with a teacher or work with a textbook so you've got the next step kind of pre-mapped out for you by somebody who understands how, how a syllabus works. So do you work with a teacher? What makes a good teacher for you? And do you think um, it's would unfortunately have to tell you that I do not recommend people go to group classes very often. Uh, now, this this is uh, important for someone to realize what their goals and what their interests are. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you have to remember that in your situation, you have always had this passion for language learning and you have a positive experience in school. You have this positive association that you are in this group class and you've made progress. Unfortunately, that's not the case for a lot of people who, like myself, were in a group class and we did not make any progress. And And a problem in that situation is that we just don't learn well in that kind of environment. Now, for me, it, it always depends on what you want to do with the language. I want to communicate with another person. And I find um, a structured group class for me uh, does the exact opposite of that. It's not using a language to communicate anything. It's more I'm getting taught, taught at me. So in school in German, for instance, I remember to, the only thing I remember was me sitting down, kind of bored while my teacher told, told me about daddy das tables. Right, and that's, right. oh, that's not effective for me. Whereas what was effective was when I'm, when I eventually moved to Berlin and uh, you don't have to move to the country. You could also do this over Skype. And I just started talking to people, you know, I started uh, sharing what I did that day and talking about things important to me. And I never did that in the group class. And the reason is a group class is um, trying to cater to too many people at the same time. So now, the first thing I want to do if I meet someone is I want to say I'm Benny from Ireland. I'm a blogger. And that word blogger is never in any textbook I will ever encounter for a beginner learner. It's just not going to be there. And sometimes the word Ireland is not there either because the book might be for American or British uh, learners. So this is why I feel this structured approach does work well after you have a little bit of momentum in the language. Mm -hmm. And I, I always try to uh, I always try to start my language learning pro um, processes to fee to find how can I personalize this mm -hmm. rather than taking a generic course that was made for Joe Schmo. How can I learn a language that's relevant to Benny Lewis? I must, and when I, mean, I, I must say, as a teacher um, who, you know, I have taken group classes and taken group classes of adults and being somebody who is very dedicated to kind of really trying to bring the language to life and working with a lot of alternative methods and making my students talk, it sounds as though you your your experience of group classes really hasn't given you a lot of faith in the system. And I would... I mean, is it to do with also uh, a a traveling lifestyle so that no. as an adult you haven't really had the occasion to kind of come back to them and try out new classes? Because I agree that school classes, if you don't, if, if school doesn't work for you, 
it just completely puts you off and you have to do see, a lot see, of the problem, work with adults afterwards. The, the problem is I can talk to you from the perspective of the person who was the worst in the class. And mm. I, I have taken a couple of uh, group classes as an adult. I took one in Spanish when I was learning Spanish. I took one in, um, uh, what was it? I think it was either Czech or Hungarian. I went to a group class. Now, unfortunately, I was the stupidest person in the class. I was the one that couldn't understand what the teacher was saying. I was the one who couldn't answer the homework questions very well. And I think once I once again, this this mm -hmm. is about perspective and people who do well. And I know so many people will disagree with me because they have done well in academic environments. And that's why I would never prescribe those people um, go off and, and learn via Skype with an individual teacher because you find the way that works best for you. Yes. I and just and thinking, I, just I would never prescribe. You. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I always suggest people experiment. They mm -hmm. experiment and they see does this work? If it works, continue it. If yeah. it does not work, then stop it. So if a group class is effective such that after a short amount of time, you're not only speaking the language, but you're enjoying yourself, you think your teacher gets you, um, then I would say move forward. But the problem is uh, that, you know, there are a lot of teachers who are using the latest technology. There are a lot of teachers who are passionate but unfortunately, uh, the majority of group classes in traditional learning systems tend to have teachers that want to help you pass an exam mm -hmm. or that may not have your personal best interest in mind. And they may want to try to cover the, the class in general. A lot, of, a lot of people just don't feel engaged when they're in a group environment. It's, it, it is a personal preference. And this is why I tell people to experiment, see what works for you. And um, unfortunately, I can relate to the uh, the side of things where people do not learn well in a group class. Mm. It's it's a it's a really really valuable point, and I think a really important one to make as well is just you know for some people a group class works great, and I have had classes because I am not as good in French as I am in English, um, and I was never the best in French. I was sort of you know lower midfield, but it, I still enjoy group classes. I think I would enjoy them even even if I'm crap because I enjoy I enjoy the the sense of community that they give me. But I would never look for a class that is so large. So it's it's yeah find what's find what works for you, and try out Skype lessons and try out whatever works. So um, a question for you that I have, which is. Um, the name of this podcast, obviously, is the Creative Language Learning Podcast. And previously, I've spoken to rappers, and I've spoken to authors about, you know, learning through storytelling, learning through music. Um, and what does creative language learning mean to you? Um, for me, it, it it's using your language in a way that you enjoy it most. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like I said, my my goal in language learning is speaking. Uh, to speak the language well at first when when I've reached a solid level like let's say a B2 level in the European Common Framework then I do actually do a lot of work on my writing skills my listening skills and and so on but at first I want to speak the language well and I find you can be very creative as a beginner learner in imagining and extrapolating how you can bring this conversation forward despite your lack of vocabulary. So I, I, I would say in my mind, uh, being creative in that, in that sense is taking 
a few dozen words and stretching that out to a basic conversation. Mm, interesting. Uh, okay, what what do you find? What do you okay? You learning French at the moment? Is that right? Um, I have. Uh, I would have a C one or C two level in French. I'm actually. Yeah. I'm. I'm learning all my languages. I mean, I'm on Skype every day, uh, practicing every single language I have. And mm -hmm. with French, for instance, I have been trying to tune my um, my listening skills. So I've been doing C1 and C2 test papers, even though I don't plan to sit the exam. No, and I'm going really through those. Good, really good practice yeah, idea, definitely. I'm going through those with my teacher. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I'm not right now. I'm not actually learning any any language in particular because this is the thing about when people hear I have a three month project, they they imagine I might have like four projects a year. Whereas it's what it, what it actually is is one project. It tends to be one project in a year. And then nine months out of the year, it's it's improving and maintaining and practicing all the languages that I had learned up until then. Mm -hmm. And what do you? Okay, what's the most what's the most fun thing you're doing at the moment with your languages or with you know a language? Pick any. Uh, well, like I said, I'm I'm doing that with my French. I mean, I I I think at the start it needs to be as fun as possible. You need to um, spark this interest and passion. But later on in the language, uh, it, there, there's a certain stage where you can't always make it fun. You do have to um, tweak things. You you have to uh, learn things that are very difficult and taxing. Um, so for for me, the fun part is at the end of a session when I realize that I've made progress, you know, even if what I'm doing itself is is just listening to audio about people debating some complicated topic. Um, and that's what I'm doing in French. In American Sign Language, I'm still working on my basic conversational skills. So I'm trying to just get some flow. And that's that is a lot of fun because that that's kind of before the intensive learning uh trickier things and trying to bring it up to a you know a, a very solid fluency level where you just you just hop on on skype and you have a nice chat with somebody so it's a very i, I like that as since it's a very relaxing period um and then some of my other languages i'm just focusing mostly on vocabulary study it really depends because i have my languages at a huge range of um degrees of mm -hmm. competency so I, I cater to that level and I apply that to what I need to do to bring it up a level. Moving on to the tips of the week. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out three tips for you from the Internet and various different bits, which are all language learning tips or um, mm -hmm. techniques or uh, one of them is a tool. And yep. out of the three, I would like you to tell me which one's your favorite and okay. why. Okay. All right. Um, tips of the week. Tip number one is the system of milestones and postmortems, um, and this is from a productivity blog from Cal Newport. So it's calnewport.com, um, mm -hmm. and I think he's a he's more of a software geeky guy. So this is very uh, productive. I've actually met him. I I did. I'm not surprised, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So he's a he's a geeky nerdy software guy, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, and he talks about developing deep habits using milestones to get unstuck. And um, what Carl recommends is that you set yourself milestones, similar to what Benny was discussing earlier, 
And after you um, say, for example, after a week of language learning, you go through what he calls a post-mortem. Um, he assesses whether he thinks he has achieved or failed his target. And afterwards, he asks himself why and says, if my answer is I didn't spend much time on it, I know what to do in the future. And if my answer is I did spend time, but I didn't really get anywhere, then he asks himself, why is that? Tries to, uh, tries to assess a new approach. So this is... Um, Technique number one, it is about mm -hmm. milestones and post-mortems. Technique right. number two um, is to tutor yourself, even if you haven't really got very far yet, try and find a fellow learner who's not gone as far as you yet and tutor mm -hmm. a fellow learner. And I know that in my own experience, I used to do this an awful lot as a teenager. I used to um, tutor other French learners who were sort of in the years below me. That was my part-time income as a teenager. And it helped me enormously understand grammar. It helped me with German, strangely, and it helped me with French as well. So tutoring another mm -hmm. learner instead of finding a native speaker, try and talk to somebody um, who's got maybe the same problems that you had half a year ago. Um, yeah. And it'll help you learn. And tip number three is using a new app, which comes from the people who designed Lang8, and that's called Hi Native. And Hi Native is an app where you can ask questions about any specific language. You can either ask a cultural question or you can ask stuff like, how do you say this in your country? And the idea is that you'll get an answer from a native speaker. Okay. Uh, each one of those three is very, very good um, in itself. Uh, very good uh, technique, very good tip. But my preference is definitely for Cal Newports 1. I, uh, that's, that's precisely what I do in my learning process. I, I personally call those mini-missions, where I have a particular goal in each week. I go through that, and I wouldn't call it a post-mortem, but I do analyze what I did that went that worked and that did not work and put that back into the system. And it's a very, because I have a background in engineering, and in engineering we like to have these feedback loops to kind of uh, correct mistakes. Mm -hmm. And um, that I kind of see my language learning process as this feedback loop where I'm doing something, it, it either works and I repeat it, or it doesn't work and I fix it. And um, of course, I'm I'm all for specific goals. So my favorite would be the first one. Excellent. So that is a system of milestones and postmortems. And in the um, in the podcast notes, I'm going to give a, give people a link to the actual article, which is called "Deep Habits: Using Milestones to Get Unstuck." Yeah. Um, right. I think that brings us roughly to the end. So are you. What's next for you? Where are you now in the world? Because I believe that you have not got a settled lifestyle. You actually haven't got anywhere that you really live. No, that's right. I don't. Um, I Everything I own in the world travels with me on flights and everything. And I don't know when this podcast is going live, but by the time it does, I will probably be at the other side of the planet. Right now, I'm in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, in the south of the United States. Oh, beautiful. Uh, but this time next week, I'll be in Bangkok, Thailand. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So, always uh, on the road. <laughs> yes, and are you planning on staying on the road for the rest of your life? No, or? no, this is something that I plan to do for, uh, I've already been on the road for 11 years, and I'm looking to keep it up for about two more years, and then I'm going to have... Um, a, a semi-nomadic lifestyle where I would still travel for about two or three months a year, 
but then I would have a base to live out of the vast majority of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. As somebody who is quite settled myself, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just want to ask you if you've got if you've got some advice for me, right? Some personal okay. advice. <laughs> Play agony on for me, um, and that is I. I love travel. I love discovering the world. And I like being away for sort of two, three weeks at a time. I do like having a home base, but I love going around. My issue is that my partner just won't travel with me. So I have a lot of travel of my own. And financially, that's very difficult because we've got half a rent to pay while I'm sort of swanning off around the world. And it helps that I work online. It helps that I teach online. I can take my students with me. Um, but what kind of tips would you have that would make maybe life easier for me or places I can go on my own? Well, keep in mind, you're you're based in the UK, aren't you? Yeah. So you're, um, what you need to earn, if you're earning in pounds and what you tend to spend, um, this translates to an extremely different budget in, in other countries. Like at one stage in my travels, I I managed to get myself into pretty bad credit card debt and I didn't have a consistent stream of income. And so my financial situation was very, very bad. And instead of um, getting a bad job I didn't want to do or something like that, I actually got a flight to India because India is so cheap that by simply living in India and working a little bit uh, online at the time, I managed to um, spend almost no money. So something to, to, that you could remember if you wanted to travel is you could travel to South America. You could travel to Southeast Asia. You can travel to countries in the south of Europe. You can travel to India. And these countries are so cheap that for just a couple of hundred pounds uh, a month, you could cover all of your expenses. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And in terms of... Uh, convincing your partner to travel with you i would have no advice for you there because uh my partner travels with me all the time so i'm extremely lucky in yeah, that you, sense. you really you really really are definitely yeah. i mean i think it, it did it take a long time to find somebody and was it a big um was it a big hindrance to finding a kind of partner to share your life with if you need somebody who was it always a condition that, that if you find a lady that she travel with you uh, that was a big uh, problem, and it's why it took me uh, 10 years and scouring the globe and turning every rock and going up every mountain and going across every desert until I could find the right girl. <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think, I think compromise is a, big, it's a big part of what you've got to do, and it's a big thing that we all have to get used to once we kind of get into relationships. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you in that, in that to uh, answer that particular uh, issue. But like, you can, you can, ha- you can have these trips yourself if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And they, you, I just would, I'd say the financial part of it is not a problem. If you're coming from the UK, going to other countries, then finances are th- are the least of your worries. It's, uh, it's. I only say that's a real problem for people doing the reverse. People coming from these uh, cheaper, poorer countries going to the likes of America and the UK. But you, you can take your um, currency leverage and you can make that work uh, in your in your favor. And then I guess one thing you could do is uh, you could just make sure you have a good Internet connection wherever you go. And you could Skype your partner. And that way the two of you could at least hang out digitally and you wouldn't lose that connection while you're traveling. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's good advice there, good advice. See, I was hoping you'd have some kind of magical answer and I could go, Benny Lewis says you should travel with me. <laughs> this is someone... No, that's that's the last thing I would suggest is to, <laughs> is, to for, is to force someone to travel when they don't want to. That that's that's just going to cause stress and um, you know because the travel lifestyle I do it a lot, but it's um, mm-hmm. like we were saying before, we different strokes for different folk. We uh, would not suggest that somebody should do it uh, to them. People have to decide for themselves what they want out of life. Yeah, can you ever imagine settling down and just living in one place? I can definitely. I've been doing this long enough that I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it, it'll be in another two years, mm-hmm. more or less. Okay, and one question that I want to ask on behalf of one of my students. He is a guy who lives in Texas, is a German learner, has also a very, very settled life. So it's not somebody who can just up and leave, but he has a big passion for learning German he's doing extremely well um I'm, Randy I've had him actually on my on my podcast as well two episodes ago and I often say to him well you know if you wanted to come to Germany maybe you could you know maybe you're, you're a lawyer you can get you know maybe you can get a deal maybe your company can send you out but if somebody really can't what are your kind of top tips for finding that language where do you look where do you look for new inspiration um, say for me living in Lancaster uh, looking for Russian influences I sort of know right. roughly where to look but for somebody in Houston where do they look for German where do these well, people, the, the thing where is in your question you're kind of you're almost implying that I I might suggest that people should as a plan a go to the country and I actually genuinely and this is coming from a person who travels all the time I think travel is a terrible idea for learning a language. <laughs> I really do. I, I, I think travel is a, is a wonderful way to open your world to new cultures. It's a great opportunity to practice a language that you have already learned. But it's a terrible idea to get a plane ticket and think, you know, this uh, person in Houston should just go to Germany um, to improve their German. What oh. they should do is, uh, and I've actually not done this for the last three years I've learned all my languages via the internet. Mm-hmm. I may be traveling all the time, but I have been learning my languages in the wrong country. And you can do that all via the internet. So like I tell people to immerse themselves, but immerse themselves virtually. Yes. So if you want to practice your listening skills, then get on uh, tunein.com and you find radio stations in every language in the world. And you can listen to it stream 24 hours a day if you wanted. If you want to practice your reading, then if you're ever on a Wikipedia article, click on the left to, to get the translation or find some good newspapers or talk to a native speaker who can recommend things to you. And, of course, talk to native speakers. Um, and now uh, with German, if he, um, uh, another thing is you, you don't even have to do it with native speakers. Like you suggested in your technique number two is you could uh, interact with people who might um, be fellow learners. Mm-hmm. I would personally, I mean, it's more selfish, I suppose, but I would personally seek out people who are a level above me so that I can learn from them. You can, of course, also learn from uh, helping people a level below you. But I, I try to see if I can find someone who's a little bit better than me in the language and I can learn from them. And that, that way they don't have to be a native speaker, you know. So there are so many things you could do and you do not need to uh, travel the country or to travel to another country. And there's things you can do in person. So in uh, the States and cities like Houston, there are loads of great websites like meetup.com 
And also there's couch surfing groups that meet up regularly. And you go to these groups and you actually meet people in person who also want to practice German or French or whatever language it may be. Yeah, so I there think, are many options. I think it's less about necessarily the linguistic aspects and the practicing a language, because I agree with you, it's very, very easy to practice a language. And also, I mean, he obviously has a, a fantastic tutor, which is me. Um, but it is literally about the, where do I get this sense of Germany? You know, well, it's kind it's a, of he's been to Germany a few times and it's just a real yeah. passion for the country. And I think it's just a case of, I miss it and I want to go back there. Well, it's it's like I said, all of, all of the things I was saying, it would help you create an immersion environment. Like when I wanted to prepare myself to go to Egypt and I was in the middle of Brazil, I made a corner of my house, uh, an essential mini Egypt. Cool. So there was only Egyptian music playing in the background there was only um, printouts of Egyptian uh, newspapers. Um, and whenever I brought my computer into that part of the house, I was only allowed to do things in Egyptian Arabic. Um, and, you know, I kind of I created a space in my house. Um, I think I even had like an Egyptian flag or something at some stage. So you, you try to create this space that, you know, once you enter it, it is your mini Germany or your mini whatever it may be. And uh, that's uh, and, and you kind of help via your computer, via the Internet. You have to create that virtual immersion environment. Mm, I absolutely love that. That is a fantastic tip. And, and I can, I'm, I'm going to build a mini, a mini Wales and a mini Russia in my office. Mm. I love it. It's fantastic. Right. Well, thank you very much, Benny Lewis. Um, do you want to, I mean, I think most people know where to find you on the Internet, but do you want to tell people where to find you on the Internet, please? Yeah, they just have to go to Fluent in three months. You can find my Facebook page, my blog. I've got a, an email list that people are welcome to sign up to if they want uh, the best um, language learning news uh, emailed to them every week. Um, I'm on Twitter at Irish Polyglot. I'm all over the place and people are welcome to come find me. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Really no, appreciate it. No problem. Hello everybody, that was it for the Benny Lewis interview of so much useful information in there. Um, I have actually edited this interview for length a little bit to make sure that the podcast doesn't run on for a very, very long time, but I will be offering an exclusive uncut interview where you can hear more from Benny and his particularly his language teaching experience. And if you're interested in that, just go to fluentlanguage.co.uk and sign up for my email list and I will make sure that the welcome email that you get has got a link to the full interview if you want to listen to it all. As always, thank you very much for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast. I really appreciate it and I would love to hear any feedback that you have got. Just comment on comment on the article as you see it on my blog or send me an email kirsten at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can find me on twitter with a new account pay attention that it is now at kirsten hammers at k-e-r-s-t-i-n-h-a-m-m-e-s you can catch me on there and tell me what do you think about this debate that we had in terms of group classes is a group class a good idea did you enjoy it or is it just not for you and you want to take the like Benny does, the personal approach to language learning. You just don't care what the textbook says. So that is something that I would be really, really interested in hearing from people from question of the week. 
To finish off, I just want to make you aware that we've got a giveaway running and you can win free audiobook editions of my book, Fluency Made Achievable, um, a five-star rated, very, very popular basic guide to language learning. So if you've ever wondered, how do I go about learning a language? What is this step-by-step -step process? How do I focus on reading, speaking, listening and writing? Fluency Made Achievable is the book for you. It's not very long, so you can just read through it and take action in just a few hours. It's a it's a fabulous book. It's been really really well it's been really really well reviewed, and you can win free editions of it by going to fluentlanguage.co.uk/giveaway. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast in iTunes, particularly if you enjoyed it. And don't forget that you can also let me know what you're thinking. You can email. Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can follow me on Twitter, and it's simply Fluent Language on there. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.